Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. It's Halloween, so we have something a little different and a little special for you. How are you, my friend? Very good. Uh, feeling spooky. Um, this is, uh, I think I had mentioned this a while, like a while ago, but, um, you know, when I was in college, I used to do a, I used to have a radio show and, and every year on Halloween, I would try to do a Halloween based episode and, and I would just play pretty much just two hours of, of Halloween songs. Just, you know, uh, the best, the rest and the rare, uh, to, to put it, uh, simply. But, uh, so I always like to celebrate Halloween with Halloween and that, so this is a perfect way to, to do that. So thank you for for choosing this. Yeah, my, my pleasure. It, it, it will be different because unlike, you know, our Halloween episodes in the past, we kind of get to talk a little bit about other bands and their interpretation of, you know, some Halloween classics and we'll, you know, basically how this album came about. It's, it's kind of interesting because when you look at the first one, this is entirely different. But before we go down that rabbit hole, um, anything that you heard this week that was interesting, I'll start. All of a sudden, a new Catatonia single. And I have to say, I remember hearing this. I sent it to you and I said, you know what? There's a chance you might like this new song, Atrium, because it was by their standards, a little more upbeat and not as morose and, and dark and, and, and kind of plotting or whatever. I mean, I'm a fan of the band, so it was, it was, it was definitely um, a treat for me. But they also announced a new album, which is coming out in January, January 20th to be exact, called Sky Void of Star, uh, Stars. What did you think of this Atrium single? I liked it a lot. Um, this is kind of the the catatonia of style that I enjoy more than the the kind of um, dreary, like kind of uh, like low to mid-tempo type songs that um, that I don't even dislike those. I just find that these these kind of more upbeat tracks, um, and I, I should state upbeat for catatonia um yes, yes. Are, are more in my wheelhouse and uh, this was one of those songs that i just i like just from the first listen i was like oh this is good I, i'll have to check out the uh the rest of this album i'm sure they'll they'll have their usual um morose songs as you put it but uh you know this is a band i've always liked i've just never really loved um but um i always you know, much like the Evergrays and Pain of Salvations of the world, I'll always, I'll always keep my ears open for, for some good tunes. But they're never going to be my favorite band in the world. I'll just say to- that. totally, totally understood. But I think this, if this song is any indication, the album could be quite, quite tasty. Um, what, what did you hear this week? Um, I kind of got back into, um, you know, I was, uh, as you know, uh, with you, um, we should. Uh, we should talk about that. Maybe at the end of the episode, we can talk about our, our couple of concert um, experiences from last week. But um, I got back at, uh, and just tried to start digging back into some of the more uh, recent releases. Um, so I, I, I listened to the new Muse album, actually, Will of the People. And um, a highlight for me was the last song, We Are Fucking Fucked, which I thought was... Um, <laughs> right on point. You know, yeah, I mean, it was like, uh, yeah, these guys really hit the nail on the head, and it's a catchy tune too. So, um, c- cool album. Um, I've always been a, a fan of, of Muse. I think that they're um, one of the better uh, kind of alt rock bands that are still like out there making modern current stuff. Um, I'd mentioned to you that, um, and, and 
oddly enough, we had just posted uh, today, we're recording on Saturday, we posted um, a track from Charlotte Wessel's new solo album, Tales from Six Feet Under, Volume 2. For whatever reason, this hit me more than the, the Volume 1 that came out uh, last year. Um, I don't know if it was just the kind of mood I was in when I was listening to it, but I was really taken by it, and um, I enjoyed it a lot. And that the opening track, Venus Rising, which was the one that we shared today, I think is a real highlight, just a, a really cool tune that I've gone back to several times, but I just thought overall um, the whole album was quite good. And then on your recommendation, I checked out uh, Hex's new album, Pagan's Rising, and that was really enjoyable too. Just like really um, good old fashioned, like crunchy kind of a melodic prog with um, a vocalist who... Um, kind of has that that nora vibe from uh battle beast but the, a totally different kind of vibe uh band wise um i enjoyed that a lot um i do still have uh there's a few things still on my list to listen to including um the new arena album which um has damian wilson on it which i'm excited about um and i still haven't listened to the whole avantasia release um i'm still holding on to the uh, still haven't listened to the new Avatar- Avatarium album. And finally, um, this one kind of came out of left field because there were no singles for it released. Um, but then the whole album just dropped on Friday. Royal Hunt's uh, Dystopia Part 2, uh, also something that I'm very um, very interested in, in listening to as uh, I enjoyed the Part 1 um, quite a bit. And it seems like all of the same... Uh, guests are returning for this uh, former Royal Hunt vocalist Mark Bowles, and um, I always I always blank on the uh, the original singer's name, but he's um, a part of this too. And um, I think John West is the only uh, old Royal Hunt vocalist who's not a part of this. But um, I believe the last time we mentioned him, we said he might not have been in great health. So I'm not sure. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but I would imagine he probably would have been invited. It would have been cool to hear the the four major Royal Hunt vocalists all on, on one album. But uh, yeah, that's kind of um, the the to do list, if you will. Yeah, I have um, a long drive ahead of me today, and I'll be in the car for much of the day. So I'm actually going to curate probably like six or eight albums, all of which I'll probably have a chance to listen to. So. The Royal Hunt is on there. We have a group chat with a bunch of other guys, and somebody had mentioned a new Royal Hunt album, and I thought it was a mistake or a best of because I hadn't heard anything about this album. And then all of a sudden, I saw that it comes out on Friday. So that is something I will definitely be listening to. Yeah, the, uh, later o- the today. only reason I knew about it was because um, I guess I'm, I think I'm on their mailing list. Um, so I had just been getting these emails saying, like, there's a new album coming, but I, I didn't really know. I guess I pre-ordered it, but I forgot when the release date was. And like I said, there were no singles that were released ahead of it. So um, it's going to be a blind listen start to finish for me. Uh, I'll definitely give it a listen, hopefully, before we record the uh, the next episode and we can, uh, we can talk about it. Yeah, I look forward to it. You know what? I don't even want to wait till the end. We saw two awesome shows, I think, since the last time that we recorded um, different, different, uh, different shows, uh, within temptation. I actually felt bad for them opening for iron maiden because the place was so empty. And I think that iron maiden fans are just conditioned to coming in at eight forty five, knowing that they're going to, you know, hear Dr. Doctor and then go on stage type of thing. Um, 
but I thought they put on a very good show and it was nice to see them. And it was cool to see them in such a big room. And then Iron Maiden just um, slayed. I, 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 the fact that they're able to do what they do at this age is just nothing short of incredible. And I'm sure there's a lot helping the sound behind the scenes. I know, I, I know. But from a, from, a, from a visual standpoint and from just an energy standpoint, they they are the best as far as I'm concerned. They they are just they never disappoint. Yeah, I think a, a combination of um the location of the arena and um I mean I can't imagine there were a lot of people tailgating because tailgating is technically not allowed at UBS Arena. There were a few people like on the very periphery of the parking lot, like as far away from the building as possible, up against like the chain link fence. Um, but I mean, it wasn't very many. It wasn't like your typical kind of concert uh, arena going experience where there's a whole parking lot full of people just, uh, you know, barbecuing and, and having beers and listen, blasting the trooper, uh, which, you know, we did hear um, on the way in. But uh, so, yeah, I was a little perplexed as to why there were so few people there. I, I, I mean, I know I had a friend, we had a mutual friend who personally didn't even get into the building until Iron Maiden was just about to take the stage. So like it, it is Long Island slash Queens um, uh, at six thirty on a, on a weeknight. So, I mean, it, I'm sure that had something to do with it, but like you said, um, there probably just wasn't a lot of crossover appeal um, for Iron Maiden fans who, like you said, are really there to see one thing, but as, as a within temptation fan. And what's funny is that like, all four of us uh, that were together were all happy to see Within Temptation. I thought they sounded great. Um, I thought the selection of songs was great. They they hit some uh, pretty much something from like the whole uh, gamut of of their of their uh, existence. Um, played a bunch of the kind of the newer singles I've released, but they were really good. And like you said, the only thing that kind of stunk was that there just wasn't that many people in the building yet. And I started to get worried that like it was going to be a, not a great showing for Iron Maiden. But by the time Dr. Doctor started playing, that building was absolutely jam packed, jam packed. And they have another, I think they had a show two nights later in New Jersey, which is essentially the same market. You know, the New York city market. Um, It is nothing short of spectacular. I mentioned it last week. Uh, they are doing their next tour, which I think starts in Europe, but it's going to run through 2024. I will grab my tickets to see this uh, somewhere in time, and then other, I think, selected tracks from the new album. I'm, 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 I, I can't get enough of them. I just think that they're so entertaining, and it's like every three or four years when I get to see them, it's like it's time to go see Iron Maiden again, and it's just just what, as good as the what last were your one. feelings as as somebody who's seen them a handful of times? What was your feelings of the set list this time around and the song selection? It was a little interesting. They started with the three new songs, which is kind of an interesting way to start a show and not really sprinkling them in throughout. And I I, I happen to think that those are three of the better songs on the album, so I, I had no problem with them be playing them. But once they finished that like twenty minute montage of, of of new material, it was right into revelations and the old stuff, and that's when I obviously, as a as a long time fan, I, I lost my mind. Um, it was an interesting set list. Uh, the, I think I said it on the way out, and I stand by this. They can play an entire show of songs. You can enjoy it and say this was a great concert, and then you could say I would have created a set list 
with entirely different material and said, that was even a better set list than I just saw because they have so much stuff that you want to hear. I mean, I think, just think about the songs that they didn't play, right? Like they didn't play Infinite Dreams. They didn't play Two Minutes to Midnight. And I'm just going through the hits, right? They didn't play Wasted Years. They, they didn't, didn't play, play Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 they didn't play Bring. They not didn't that, play Tailgun. Not that a lot of people were complaining. But it's it's just it's just when you think about like what they didn't play, you'd say that's a greatest hit set with just that stuff. And then of course the deeper cuts. You know, as a fan of of songs like Infinite Dreams or or stuff like that, I, I just wish I could hear all this stuff, but. I, I can't complain. I, I got my money's worth. I thought it was a great show. Um, That's how I and- feel anytime I see Halloween, who we're going to obviously talk about. But it's like, I, I'm like thrilled to see them. But at the same time, I'm like, man, there's like 25 songs that I would have rather have heard because I'm just such a fan of every song. And, and that's what happens when you become a, a diehard fan of a band. Is that like, it gets harder to see them play live and, and play a more like, set that's aimed towards casual fans um which is is why i've remained a fan of pearl jam in that you never know what you're gonna get from them um you know whereas like green day another band i'm a big fan of they've kind of gone the route of play the hits and even though they can cram in like 30 songs into a set Hmm. there's so many other songs i would love to hear live that they just don't seem to touch so i totally get it and and i have a feeling i'm gonna feel the same way after we leave the Halloween show uh, next year. Um, just There's just too much of a catalog to like really satisfy everybody's, you know, desires for, for hearing stuff. So too much of a catalog and only two and a half hours or show to play, you know, to, to, to play a particular set. But um, a couple of nights later, we would go see Epica and Sabaton after enjoying a few adult beverages and some good company um, before the show. I, I gotta I be honest. There. What was that? And Pat was there, right? Right. Some good company, and, and Pat was there. Um, it was it was definitely <laughs> um, uh, definitely a different experience. I, I couldn't believe that they were playing the Hammerstein Ballroom, which, for those that don't know, I mean, the place holds I think close to four thousand people or something like that, and the place was packed. I mean, I think I had heard that it was sold out. I believe it. I believe it. Uh, I don't know what the next step for these bands are. I'll, I'll say this: Epica always puts on a good show. Um, I didn't think it was anything remarkable from them. I thought it was just another solid Epica show. The set list I thought was um, kind of all over the place, but it was it was it was good. And then Sabaton, I haven't seen them in, in quite some time. Uh, they were they were good. I, I I just think that they're not my favorites anymore. I'm kind of a little bit over the shtick, but we stayed for for uh, the majority of that set before I said I got to get out of here. I've got work in the morning, uh, but. What were your thoughts? Did you enjoy that? I mean, I, I'll be honest. I thought Iron Maiden was a better show than 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 the than Sabaton and Epica. Yeah, I mean, I had I was on the tail end of a long trip, um, you know, seeing Maiden and going to see an Islanders game and going to a Broadway show, spending a bunch of days in New York City. Um, so, like, I think I had just reached the end of my. Um, I think my exact words were I I ran out of fucks to give at that point, and it was just kind of like. It was there and I liked it and it was enjoyable, but I just couldn't get like sucked into it and really like, cause I think I was just like burned out on just everything, all the traveling and all the stuff. It's, there's only so much you can kind of um, get, get excited for. Um, 
and I also like I don't know it those kind of venues I don't love them because it's like standing room only we're all, all the way in the back it doesn't sound as good like maiden sound was unreal like that just blew blew my socks off so like having that as a, as a recent comparison um I just I've never been a big fan of most of the New York City venues because they're like long and and not wide and so like you're if, if you're like me and you don't want to be in the sea of humanity because you'd rather not have a, a panic episode in, in the middle of Manhattan, uh, <laughs> you know, you try to stay on, on the, the, the edges, um, you know, and we, by the way, like we got there, uh, what, 15 minutes before Evago went on and there was a line around the corner. Um, yeah. at, they just started playing as we were walking in. Um, so yeah, like um, I, I mean, it was fine. I just um, I, I just remember enjoying um, both bands a lot more the last time I saw them, and I think that isn't a knock on the bands; it's just the circumstance, revo- you know, surrounding the situation. But uh, the last all in all, time- it was a very enjoyable trip, and and uh, and there's nothing better than uh, going to New York City to to make you feel so much more calm when you're not in New York City. <laughs> I say that every day of my life, but alas, here we are. Let's uh, let's let's talk some Halloween before we get into uh, a very very heavy news section. There's just a lot that happened this week. Um, this album, The Keepers of Jericho Part Two, is a tribute album that came out in 2002, and it's got 13 tracks. Very very interesting um, bands that were chosen because. Um, at the time that these bands were kind of on this album, I don't think anybody knew the vast majority of these bands, save one or two, um, which was ironic because just two years prior, there had been another tribute album, The Keepers of Jericho, or The Keepers of Jericho Part 1, if you will. And that album, uh, I specifically didn't choose because we've discussed many of those bands in long form. The covers on that album include Rhapsody, Sonata Artica, Heaven's Gate, Metallium, Luca Torelli, Vision Divine, Labyrinth, Secret Sphere, Brainstorm, amongst others. It is just one superstar power metal band from that from that era after the other. And so I, I have to think it was a successful release because they come out with this second one with a bunch of essentially no-name bands, uh, again, save for one or two. I don't even remember how I heard about these albums when they came out. I remember the first one because when I saw the lineup, I'm like, I have to have it. And then it was, I enjoyed it so much that I just bought this as a matter of course when I was in college. Yeah. I would venture to say that my, uh, experience was similar. Um, yeah, I do remember like the, I think I was, I was, um, webmaster of the future world Halloween site at the time. So, uh, you know, I would do my best to try to post, you know, any sort of timely news. And I remember when this was announced, I was like, holy crap, like this is, I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a tribute album where there were so many heavy hitters as far as uh, bands go. I think Morafade and Squealer and Sidonia were the three bands on that first volume that I never hadn't heard of. And everybody else were all like, you know, a, like pretty much A or B list power metal bands um you know a dark more i think was the only one we we didn't mention um they did an amazing cover of of halloween which is no no easy task um 
but yeah, I thought it was interesting that you chose part two, uh, just because it's. I find that it's a little bit more interesting just because you get to hear a lot of these bands that you probably weren't familiar. Even now, like I look at this list and it's like um, Axon Star, Dragonland, Iron Savior, <laughs> maybe right, like right. are the I, ones I, that I'm familiar with, and and maybe. I mean, I'm trying to remember if, like, I know Celesti because they were on this album. Um, and uh, I know Fraternia is, um, I believe they're a U.S. band um, that I, uh, we have a mutual friend, um, different Pat, um, who's a big fan, which I thought was really interesting. But, yeah, the rest of the bands, I'm like, you know, Red Wine, High Lord, uh, Paragon. And to be uh, clear, Fraternia, Fraternia is a Swedish band. So unless there's okay. an American band, but but we'll, we'll we'll get in we'll get into all of this. But yeah, it's 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 a who's who of who are these bands, right? Like it's a who it's a really it's a who's who. Like who who? Um, it, it, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's kind of crazy. But obviously, I had to have it. And I remember back in 2002, 2003, I played the shit out of this album. Like I used to play this album constantly, and then I just kind of didn't for a while and i really really liked it i was curious to see how it was going to hold up especially for me as i've come as i've become somewhat disenchanted with power metal i was wondering if this would hold up for me uh the way that it did you know close to 20 years ago i will say there are some there are some versions on here that i think are out of this world and and i'll definitely be pointing them out as we get to them but um there are there are a handful. I don't even think I have a song of the week in my head just yet. Um, I'm sure I'll figure it out, but um, also, and I mentioned this last week in short, um, the, 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 the keeper of Jericho keepers of Jericho part one was called keepers of Jericho because it focused on only songs that came from the keeper, the keepers of the seven keys and, and the walls of Jericho slash, uh, you know, mini LP, just pretty much those first, three or four formative years of Halloween. Whereas this one actually features uh, a song from pink bubbles go ape and a song from master of the rings and a song from time of the oath. So um, I guess the bands were allowed to kind of uh, reach out or they probably ran out of songs too. I mean, there's only so many songs on those first three albums and they hit like a lot of the obvious choices on that first one. I want out, uh, you know, I'm alive, Eagle fly free future world, Halloween, how many tears, so um, on this one, I think the song selection is a little a little deeper, which I think was uh, a nice a nice uh, follow up to that first one. Yeah, I think that's well said, and and it's kind of interesting why or how certain bands wound up with certain songs because in in certain cases I think it's a perfect fit, and in others I scratch my head a little bit. Um, we'll we'll kick it off with with the first track, which is Iron Savior, going back. Going back to the walls of Jericho, playing Phantoms of Death. And this is fascinating for a number of reasons. First of all, Iron Savior, the German power metal band, had been around since 1997. So they were new, but they were by far the most famous band on this entire compilation for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think you'll recall Kai Hansen was a guest on that first Iron Savior album. So he had a lot to do with it. I think he helped write the songs. Uh, that that in and of itself is fascinating. But what's even more interesting is that, and I, I didn't know this, but the main guy behind Iron Savior, Pete Slick, 
he helped write a lot of the songs on that original Halloween EP, even though he was never credited with the songwriting. So I have to think, and, and I could be wrong about this, but this might have been one of the songs that he actually wrote for the band when he was in the band for a spell back in the mid-80s, which is just absolutely phenomenal or fantastic. I'm looking at the track listing, and it turns out this this was not one of those songs. He, I think he had credits for, or I should say, is attributed to like Starlight and Warrior and and Victim of Fate, which I know was a, a Wikey track. Um, but they 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 come out and they do just a phenomenal phenomenal job setting the tone for this album, in my opinion. I think it's one of the best covers on the album. I agree, and I also think that it gives the the song a little bit more polish. Uh, you know, we talked about Walls of Jericho. It was our second episode, actually. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not the most well-produced, uh, you know, album in, you know, retrospect when you go back and listen to it. And so hearing some of these songs, and we'll get to Murderer too, which is really, I thought, a really cool uh, cover. Hearing those songs modernized, I think, really gave them a new, like, breath of fresh air. And this is one of them. And, um, you know, actually, to even go back even further, Pete and Kai Hansen started like the, I guess like the beginnings of what would become Halloween in 1978 um, when they were, they, they formed the band Gentry. Um, so like Pete and Kai were working together even that far back. And um, I'm pretty sure that Kai was actually a full fledged member of Iron Savior when they first started. And then I guess with Gamma Ray taking off, he just didn't really have the time for it. And um, he's since not been involved, but in the, I know, I think he's actually the vocalist on the, at least the first album, maybe beyond that. Um, so that, yeah, there is definitely a connection to the song. So I, I imagine there was a reason why they chose this one as the song. They were going to yeah, cover it. It's, the it's vocals are really cool too. Like just this, uh, very different from Kai's original vocals. They are, and I'll say this: I've no disrespect to the band. I mean, they're still around and they're still writing new music. They had a new album, um, Skycrest, that came out in 2020. I've never gotten into this band, and I feel like it's something I should like. But I just, I don't know. I think I've listened to every album at least once, but nothing ever said this is like must must listen to stuff um so i kind of just passed on them but i recognize that this particular cover was just really well done and it was kind of a standout track on the album for me um and i also got to give them credit for not doing a hit they did you know one of the deeper cuts i mean nobody talks about phantoms of death great job great cover well well polished to your point and, and just a good way to kick off the album yeah yeah for sure um yeah, and like I was, you know, like I was saying, um, the the uh, the vocals I, I thought were just kind of, kind of like this, like like gravelly kind of like just cool kind of sound. Like I, I just thought it was a really, um, really cool just version. And uh, Thomas Knack, formerly of uh, Gamma Ray, I believe, was it Gamma Ray or Blind Guardian? Um, he was uh, the drummer on this. Like it was Gamma Ray, yeah, he, yeah. It's um. Really good, just well done. And then you move away, you move away from Iron Savior, and now you get into this like run of kind of bands that were 
lesser known. Uh, the second track is is a cover of Dr. Steen by Steel Attack, a Swedish band. They had only formed in 1997. I think at the time that this cover came out, they had only had two albums under their belt and they would kind of disband by 2008. I think I had listened to some of their stuff, but I was never a fan of theirs. I'm curious to know what you think, uh, or I'm curious to yeah, know what you think about this particular cover of Dr. Steen. I, I thought it was kind of like, basically in the vein of the original song. I, I feel like they didn't really try to do anything different. Um, different kind of uh, like vocals. You can really hear the the, the, the Swedish accent in the singing. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I thought it was a solid cover. It's not one of my favorite covers on this album. It, it was, it just was fine. But I also think that Dr. Steen is kind of like maybe one of the most overplayed Halloween songs at this point. So um, I will say Freedom Call did a cover of it that I enjoy a little bit more than this. Yeah. For me, I thought it was a little bit generic and I don't particularly love the vocals. I think that it, this particular cover lacks kind of the goofiness that the original song had. And to me, that was what made the song so charming when I first heard it by Halloween. Um, I could take or leave this one. I don't think it needs to be on here, but I I don't think it's terrible. I just don't think it's particularly noteworthy. Yeah, I think that's fair. And then we get to track three, which is a band called Power God. Now, this is interesting because I don't I don't think I knew a note by these guys. Um, they're another German band. They come out in 1999, again, as, as many of these bands did. But by 2005, they would hang it up. And I'm not really familiar with these guys. Um, but the singer, the Power God singer, was definitely channeling his inner Kai Hansen, at least in my opinion, on this particular cover. It is a real... Uh, awesome cover of Starlight, a real headbanger. And um, the way I would describe it is kind of odd. I, I would say that the, this particular cover is better than it has any right to be because this, the band itself is kind of eh, but the cover is pretty freaking good. Um, I think I might want to check them out after 20 years. I think it's about time. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what kind of material they were putting out. Yeah, I mean, we're not off to a good start as far as bands uh... – thriving after this album was released no, we're, no. we're uh one for three so far but yeah again like kind of harkening back to what i said before about hearing these um walls of jericho era songs done in, in a modern and as far as modern you know 20 years ago <laughs> would would be um i i just think that um it, it it's definitely a way more modern at least a mo- more modern production um, and yeah, I agree with you. I think this was a uh, very well done and um, very uh, interesting um, take on it. I think the vocals kind of um, sound different enough that gives it its own kind of flavor. But um, yeah, I thought this was this was quite good. Were you familiar with Celesty? Because now we get to them. It's track four. And they cover the chance. Celesty, for those that don't know, they were a Finnish band. 1998, they start. They come out with four albums in the 2000s. And they also, to keep the track record alive, they were done by 2009. This was a band I was familiar with. And their album, Legacy of Hate, which came out in 2004, very good power metal for the time. I was a fan of, of these guys and I was oh, I was sad when they kind of broke up because I thought they had potential. 
What do you think of the cover of of the chance, which is track four? I love this. Um, first of all, I think this is one of the most underrated Halloween songs ever. Um, so shout out to Mr. Roland Grappo, uh, one time guest of the Metal Exchange. Um, I always talk about how underrated I think him and Uli's uh, songwriting for Halloween were, and how important they were. And even though it was in now. You know, looking back at, at this, uh, you know, almost forty-year history of the band, they, they, it's almost at this point like they were in the band for a cup of coffee. But um, I, I thought that that they their songwriting helped um, add more depth to all those albums that came out. Uh, Roland on on Pink Bubbles and Chameleon, and then both of them with um, Master of the Rings, Time of the Oath, Better Than Raw, and The Dark Ride, which I, I think of. Like name a band that had a better four albums in a row. Um, you know that was that was a hell of, like four just heavy hitters in a row. Um, and, and so this was one of the songs that Roland wrote uh, for the Pink Bubbles Go Ape album. And and Roland kind of had the unenviable task of replacing Kai Hansen after Kai Hansen decided that you know he didn't want to do the uh, the slog of touring, which in retrospect is kind of laughable considering everything he's done since then. Um, but uh, this was like, I think Roland got like what the Halloween sound was supposed to be, but yet made it his, you know, added his own songwriting spin to it. So I love that somebody was like, let's cover this song. And, and I, I don't know about you. I think of the high live album. Cause I think that was the first time I ever heard the chance and, 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 it was with Andy singing and I was like, this is cool. I was bummed that it went out of rotation when, when, you know, I think even before Roland had left the band, it was such a, a nod to like these two albums that were very under loved and underappreciated in my opinion. But, uh, this is a really cool, um, just fun, awesome cover. Um, and this was, I think the first I had heard of the band. I think this might've been like the first song that they, that was released by them um, outside of demos. Like this might've, this album might've come out before their debut album, uh, Reign of Elements that came out in 2002. I am going to make this my song of the week. I love this cover. Um, I want to speak about it, but I want to give it a listen first. So here's Celeste's cover of the chance. as I mentioned, I would go on to become a pretty big fan of, of this band. I think that this cover is very similar to the original, but a tick 
faster, which I thought was kind of an interesting touch. I just think the tempo is a little bit faster. And the singer has got some set of pipes on this guy. Uh, Kimo Paramaki. I'm sure I am not saying that properly as, as uh, the band is um, a Finnish band. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm a little down on my finish, but the singer's got some set of pipes and does this song such a good justice. Um, selfishly, I want to hear this uh, again this week. So I thought what better, what better choice than, than this for a, a track of the week. Great cover, great selection, fit the band well, put their own little spin on it. Job well done. Well said. Uh, yeah, what, this is one of my favorite tracks on the, the album. Um, I, I'll choose something else for song of the week, but this is probably in my top three or four. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, the next, the next cover is we go back to the keepers albums with a tale that wasn't uh, a tale that wasn't right. And it's Beto Vasquez infinity. And for those that don't know, this band is still around and kicking and they've kind of blended the power metal and the symphonic metal genres. And they've done a pretty nice job over the years. Uh, they came out around the turn of the century. Their self-titled debut had come out about a year prior to this cover, and they're still they're still a lot around and doing it. Their last album came out last year. It was called Mental Asylum. They're out of Argentina, um, and they just you know every two or three years you can kind of expect an album from them. You know, with with some gaps in between, but for the most part, they're they're very very active. However. That being said, and, I, and I'll, to be honest, I am a fan of this band. There's certain albums that they've come out with, which I thought were pretty were pretty spectacular. Um, Flying Towards the New Horizon, for example, in 2006. Very solid album. However, I am not a fan of this cover. I, it, I think it's ambitious to cover a song like A Tale That Wasn't Right to begin with. Uh, and I just don't think that this particular song fits them so well um there's certain sections where the vocals are kind of layered i found that to be very very distracting i think it lacks the emotion of the original and and no offense but the vocals just don't hold a candle to kiss uh vocals on the original um it was almost like they mailed this one in and i'm just not a fan of it um i have i have a few thoughts um first of all i do not know one song be by the Beto Vasquez really? Infinity. And they've, and they've been around cover. forever too. I know it's so funny, um, but uh, I I actually disagree quite a bit about uh, your feelings on this song. First of all, um, guest vocals by Elisa Martin, who yeah. um, also did the vocals on the Dark Moor cover of um, How Many Tears, uh, yeah. or I'm sorry, Halloween on the the part one. Um, I love her vocals. I think that. She's there's something so unique about it, and I still, I believe she actually has her first solo album coming out uh, soon, if not out already. And I'm a big she, fan. She, um, I like her vocals too. I just think that she, I, I didn't like this particular cover. And and to be honest, I think her voice has matured over the last two decades. Uh, where I happen to yeah. enjoy her vocals, I don't like them on this track. To be to be clear, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I definitely think she has a different sound nowadays but um i don't know i i like everything that she's done i think this is is good of course like nothing's gonna hold a candle to the original but i think they did a a pretty solid job i'm not gonna say it's not one of my favorite tracks on the album but um i thought it was i thought it was good i mean it feels like being that she's you know a woman i think it's less uh, it, she doesn't have to like 
strain herself as much to hit those high notes the way Kisk really was like, you could tell he was really pushing himself. Um, And I think that that added kind of a a layer of emotion to it. Uh, Whereas it felt like she didn't have to like try as hard. So maybe that comes off as like going through the motions or mailing it in. Um, But you know, it's fine. I, 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 I agree with you to a certain extent. I just think that it was, I thought the vocal performance was fine, but I just think the cover overall was just, um, Kind of, kind of pedestrian. So same, same result, but for different reasons. Um, Paragon is another band that I was, oh, quite frankly, I didn't know anything about. What's interesting here, though, is all these bands are coming out around 1980, uh, 1999, 2000. Paragon had been out and releasing full length albums for years. Uh, you know, they they formed in 1993, and by 1995, they were releasing full full length material. Um, they are a, uh, German band and they are obviously intimately familiar with a lot of this Halloween stuff because they, they too were from Hamburg, much like Halloween. Um, they decide to cover metal invaders, which is another kind of, I don't know, less popular track, I guess, off of, um, walls of Jericho. What are your thoughts on, on how, how they, how they did their walls of Jericho cover? Uh, this isn't really one of my favorite Halloween songs to begin with. Um, so I don't, I didn't really have like super high expectations quite honestly. And, um, you know, it's fine. I think it's, uh, again, like it, it sonically, it sounds way like much better than the production on walls of Jericho. Um, the vocals are just fine. Um, it's a, it's a serviceable cover. It's not, um, it's not blowing my doors off, but, uh, it's, um, it's good. I love it. I actually think they did a really good job for a song, to your point, not my favorite Halloween song, but I thought they did a really nice job on a really pedestrian song to begin with. Um, the bass really pops on this one, and I thought that the between that, the underrated vocals, and the great guitar work, I'm, I thought they did a very nice job. I don't know if it was would have been my choice of songs to cover, but I thought they did a good job with what they were working with. Um one of the better covers, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, like I said, different different strokes for different folks. The band is still around. They released an album in 2019. I think that was like their 12th or 13th full-length album. So they just, they're churning out material left and right. Uh, but I, I can't say that I'm intimately familiar with any of their back catalog. Yeah, same. Uh, which which moves us to a band that I am pretty familiar with because they only have three albums. Uh, their f- first was in 2002, Memories of a Dream. They would come out with two more albums, one in 2004, take a nice long hiatus and come out with another album in 2018. And that's Arwen, which is a band from Spain. I always thought that this band had the potential to be bigger than they were, but they just never really kind of took off. Um, but it is, they're, they're a very interesting band. And on this particular album, they cover March of time, which is another difficult selection to, to kind of choose from that keepers era. But I think they do a nice job, a lot more keyboards than we hear on the Halloween album, which was very prominent in this cover. Um, and I think that like, because of that shining with, uh, with, with and the keyboards being even more prominent than the guitars in many ways, I thought it was a nice little twist, but it's a difficult song and I, they did a nice job with it. And I thought it was one of the better covers on, on the, on the disc. Yeah. This is one of my, um, 
top three songs on this album. Um, I, it's not going to be my song of the week, but it, it's close. This, along with the next track, uh, are, are round out my top three on the the album. Um, but um, I, I, I do have a I do have a winner, and we'll get to that. But um, I, I thought this was a really well done track to the point where it actually made me interested to hear more. And so this was one of the bands I actually like went and got some of their albums and tried to, to get more into their, uh, their stuff. But then, then they went 14 years <laughs> between albums, uh, between their second and third album. Um, so, you know, you know, I guess Dragonland's not the only one that, that likes to take long breaks between albums, but, um, I thought this was really well done. And like you said, this isn't, this is an ambitious choice. Um, I think this along with twilight of the gods are two of like the faster, um, you know, keeper era Halloween tunes. Um, and I think, uh, this was really, really well done. Um, I love, like you said, they like right from the get go, you're hearing, uh, keyboard parts that weren't on the original song, which I think, add a nice flavor and instead of just doing a, 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 a repeat of the original song, it gives it a, its own kind of uh, personality. So um, this is definitely something that I would, uh, I would recommend um, if you're only going to listen to a handful of tracks from this album, this is with it definitely within my, uh, my top three. Um, yeah. And then we'll have the, I'll have the chance rounding out as my, and those are my top four and I'll mention the other two, uh, as, as we move along. I like it. I like it. Um, the next track was, was a band we mentioned previously, Fraternia out of Sweden. Uh, they put out their first full length album in 2000 to really high praise. Uh, and then in 2002, they would come back with a nightmare story, their second album, which also got like increasingly high praise from the power metal community. And then they went dormant much like some of the other bands on this, but they came back in 2019 with a, with an album called the gathering and they're coming out with another album this year uh, in November called the final stand, which I'm actually kind of curious to hear because their last album was really good. Uh, Fraternia kind of forgotten to time, but now back covering murderer. Um, I'll just kind of give you my thoughts. I don't love the vocals. I think that they're not my favorite part, but there's a grittiness to the way they do this cover, which is phenomenal. And I actually think it's overall a very good cover. And I think they're in, I think their material is better than this cover, but it, it's intriguing because this cover is unique as opposed to some of the other, uh, some of the other covers on this, because it's just almost has like this thrashier element to it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. They, uh, they, they decided to, to beat out, uh, Arwin for longest break in between full length albums with a uh, a whopping seventeen years between a nightmare story and the gathering. Um, I did not know they were coming out with a new album though. I would love to uh, to hear that. I have to add that to the ever growing list of things that I need to listen to before we have to make a list for the year. Um, I always really liked this cover. I like that it it starts out again with like keyboard parts that were not in the original song kind of giving it more of a modern power metal kind of flavor um i always thought this was a very underrated halloween song um the, it's the second track from the uh the mini lp or, or just the halloween lp as it was called um very 
early Kai Hansen uh, written tune, but um, I, I thought they did a hell of a job. I always really enjoyed this this cover. So um, yeah, this uh, this is it will be uh, in my top four. What are your thoughts on Valdemar's cover of Gorgar? I had never. I don't think I knew of this band at the time. I well, I, I certainly didn't. What's ironic is that this particular cover didn't get me to go out and check out the band. Um, I very interesting song choice, right? Gorgar um, is kind of one of those hidden hidden gems, I guess, on on Walls of Jericho. A very interesting selection. They would come out with a bunch of albums in the two thousands with breaks in between, but they actually are still are alive and well. Uh, Valdemar straight to hell came out in 2020. I'd be lying if I said I heard it. What are your thoughts on the cover? I, I, to me, it's kind of pedestrian. It's just like on there, not bad, just unremarkable. This is my favorite song of all time about a pinball machine. Yeah. Well, you better, better, better than the who? Uh, well, that song's about a pinball wizard, not a pinball machine. Whereas this song is actually about the machine itself, which um, I can't argue with that logic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's kind of funny that this is uh, the band many years later would write another song called The Game Is On, uh, which has um, sound samples from Tetris for the original Game Boy. Um, yeah, I never really cared much for this song, to be honest with you. I thought it was kind of very, like, it's, it's I think, one of the, the least memorable songs from the, the Walls of Jericho era. Um, so it's a fine cover. Um like they do there's like a little bit of a, a hall of the mountain king uh riff it's fine like it, it's it's not nothing against valdemar or, or the band of which we will not speak um <laughs> it's, Voldemort. it's just like yeah like like it's just a, a song nobody ever asked <laughs> to, to see her covered and they decided to cover it anyway um i mean again i'll circle back to our talk about Iron Maiden and, and selecting songs for set lists. It's like, you know, there's a total of what, like 26 Halloween songs on these two tribute albums. And like, they could have picked anything else. And they went with, <laughs> with, uh, I'll, I'll, I think I've dropped the F bomb enough for this episode. They went with F and Gorgar. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, it, it's fine. Whatever. Like well, moving along. The, the, the good news in my opinion is that we actually finish up this album very strong. So as yes, we kind I agree a hundred percent, Dragonland, who I won't go into much detail on because we just did them in long form last week or two weeks ago. Uh, they choose Soul Survivor, which is a phenomenal song to begin with. Um, this is an outstanding cover, and I could have easily made it my song of the week, but I wanted to go with something different because we just did Dragonland. Uh, but I got to be honest, and this is like kind of interesting. The drummer on this Dragonland album, or I should say this Dragonland cover, is somebody we know because we just spoke to him. Jonas Heigart does the vocals and the drumming on this particular track. And it's amazing. His drumming is so good. It's a standout part of the track. Uh, It is tight. It is crisp. I would argue that they are the best band on this album by a country mile. Like it's, it's, it's not even close how much better they are than everybody else. Well, they're also uh, the it, only band we've ever done a full episode on from this album. So yeah, but I mean, there's, there's other, like we're going to get to accent star in a second. They're grossly underrated and they're actually a band I think we should cover, but like Dragonland is just so good. This, this is so upbeat and so much faster than the original. I think it's a phenomenal choice. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and and cheers to not like 
going the route of, of cho- choosing something from the keeper or, or the walls of Jericho era. Um, I kind of wish they would make like a, a volume three or a part three where they focused more on the, the nineties um, era of Halloween and, and maybe even um, the dark ride as well. Um, there's just so many great tunes in that, in that era. And this, this being one of them, this was, this song kind of is uh, almost a, it's almost like a, a, a point in, in, in time where Halloween, it's the first song on master of the rings. It was kind of like Halloween's big comeback after, you know, Kisk was dismissed and Ingo was dismissed. And um, the band was just like, all right, it's time to kind of get back to the, our metal roots. And, and we went, we went a little like off the wall on the last two albums. Uh, although I'll argue to the death that some of the best Halloween songs of all time are on those two albums. Um, that being said, they, especially Chameleon lacked that metal punch. Um, and, and, you know, they brought in Andy Darris and, and, uh, and Uli Kush and they, I think brought the band back to prominence again. And so I always hear, this is the first song you hear on, on master of the ring. So it's kind of like the, the ushering in of the Andy Darris era, or even the, 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 the Roland Uli Andy era, which only lasted six years. It it kind of reminds me of like Nova era by Angra, which was kind of them ushering in the post Matos era of Angra. That always had a similar feel to me as Soul Survivor did on Master of the Rings. Two phenomenal tracks by anyone at any time. So I'm with you. A tra- time of transition, obviously a great cover. Um, and, and like I said, could easily be Song of the Week. But I, I needed to go in a different direction just because we covered them a couple weeks ago. Yeah, well, absolutely fair. Speaking of Song of the Week, here's mine. Uh, Twilight of the Gods by Axon Star. Boy. This made me get up off my ass and go get a, like every Axon Star album before and since. And I have since become like a huge fan of this band. I think that the, um, the vocals, uh, and I will say his, his name correctly. Uh, Magnus Erickson is the vocalist. Um, he has such a unique style. It almost sounds like it's like, like like made from a computer like it's i don't know if he's using like reverb or whatever but like he just has such a cool voice and this is one of the like all-time best halloween songs one of their fastest just balls to the wall like and they just kill it much the same way that arwin did at march of time um this was a home run um easily uh my favorite cover on the, on the, maybe not easily, but it is my favorite cover on the album. Um, let's give it a listen and then you can, uh, chime in with your thoughts.
have to say that that was a great choice. I, I have a soft spot in for you know in my heart for this band. A because I like them. B because in my opinion, they've always been grossly underrated and they should have been bigger than they were. And for some reason, they just never took off. But the reason I laugh is I have a buddy of mine who'll send me texts every day with check out this, check this out, check this out. And he'll even send me stuff that he knows he will hate, but he think, you know, he thinks I'm going to like, and this is my buddy, Frank. And what he said to me is every time there's a power metal album, he always compares them to Axon star, which is the <laughs> funniest thing because like not every band sounds like Axon star, but like he, even though he doesn't even listen to power metal anymore, if there's a band out there that he thinks list sounds like Axon star, he wants it because it reminds him of this, the way they were in 2002 it's just really funny. So this band always triggers my my buddy Frank. Phenomenal cover, great choice. Uh, it just they should have been bigger, and and I guess that's the one not regret that I have. But they're still putting out albums that nobody is talking about. So I think we we have to change that and do an accent yeah, star. I I I grab whenever they have a new album. I I, I pre order it. I whatever. Like I, I get ex- I'm always excited, and it it always is an enjoyable listen and. It's been three years, but it was five years in between uh, their last two albums. So um, hopefully, in the near future, we will get a uh, another Accent Star album. They actually have uh, seven full length albums now. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, but they're they're still alive and kicking, as is Italy's High Lord, who comes in with power. Another Time of the Oath uh, era track that they've decided to cover a band that came out right around the time of this disc uh, around the turn of the century. And they're still putting out albums. I think they have another album. uh, It's called freaking out of hell, which comes out in December. So they're just continuing to churn out stuff every couple of years. I don't love this particular cover, at least for me. I thought that the sound like the production was just a little flat. Um, And and they're a good band. I actually like some of their, their original material. Um, But for some reason, this cover doesn't grab me a ton the backing vocals are kind of cool uh, during the chorus. I thought I thought that was a nice touch. The solos are good, albeit different than what you hear on the actual uh, Halloween album. I just prefer their original material to this cover. Um, you know, funny thing, I didn't never heard a High Lord song besides Power for forever, and I, I want to say it was Adam, but. I could be wrong, but I just know somebody, I think it was Adam, posted in our Facebook group a song from High Lord from 2001, which would have been the year before this Keeper Keepers of Jericho Part 2. The song was called All I Want. Um, it's one of my favorite songs I heard in 2022. <laughs> Albeit 21 years later. And the funny thing is, obviously he had no idea we would be talking about High Lord on an episode months later. And honestly, as much as I like that, like, I remember listening to the song again and, and, and liking it. It just so happens that they happen to do the cover on the album. But it goes to my point. I thought that their solo, their, their original material is probably better than this particular cover for some reason. It 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 has like that, and their original, at least the one song I heard, it has that early, like late 90s, early 2000s Italian power metal vibe which i think it's it's kind of like a you gotta love it or hate it and like people like me and and pat uh we love it (laughs) so um i i was like how am i hearing this song for the first time uh 21 years later but i mean no joke i it made it onto one of my playlists and it's one of my favorite songs that i heard in 2022 in spite of being you know over 20 years old 
Um, I guess I should probably mention the cover while we're talking about it. Um, Yeah, I agree with what you said. Like, it's it's a fine cover. I also think Power is another one of those songs where it's kind of like, just let Halloween handle this. Like, it's it's almost like the sort of thing where... It's almost like a parody of itself at this point. Yeah, it's like... Like I want to hear it live, and I never want to hear it any like any other way. Like I don't want to like save it for when I'm live and left side, right side. You know the whole the whole (laughs) bit. Um, It's fine. I I, I, yeah, it's it's just there's just it's just like certain songs, man. Like you know the reason I'm such a big fan of of the covers of the Chance and March of Time and Twilight of the Gods is because those are three of my favorite Halloween songs ever, and it didn't hurt that the bands did such a, a great job covering them. Um, this is fine. I, I think had they chosen a, a deeper cut, I think it would have been cooler. Like, I don't yeah. know, like game play. The game is on or like still we go or something, you know, if you're going to pick something from the, the, the mid nineties, Andy Darris era, I think um, even though this is probably one of the most popular or most well-known of the Halloween songs from the nineties, um, I didn't, doesn't necessarily mean they, needed to cover it um so you know it's fine i, I don't think there's any uh, there's no bad covers on the on this album it's just i think some things are just kind of average and other things are, are really stand out and this this is falls more in, in the average area and though i am interested to hear more from this band however um yes after yes. hearing that one other track and we get to the final track which this band is so obscure that it makes Valdemar look like Iron Maiden, right? And that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's what I'm going to say about Spain's Red Wine, who came out with five albums between 2001 and 2006, none of which I've heard a note of. But here on this particular uh, compilation, they cover Rise and Fall by Halloween. And I have to say, they do a really good job. I think they do a phenomenal Rise and Fall album and it's kind of an interesting way to end the album because it's like the singer has this really really thick accent but he does it in such a way for this goofy track that it's kind of like i don't know it kind of fits and the keys are very prominent in spots which again i think lend itself to this particular song it's surprisingly enjoyable and i've never heard a note from these guys um what are your thoughts on red wine? And and I'm not talking about the Chianti that you're probably going to have tonight. I actually do have a bottle of red wine that I will be drinking tonight. Um, I think it's a cab though. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, like, yeah, this band came out of nowhere and went back to nowhere after <laughs> the song was done. Um, really, really well done, fun, upbeat, punchy version of a upbeat and punchy song to begin with. Um, Really good stuff. Um, my understanding is that this is that covers are the only songs that this band has sung in English. Everything else is in Spanish. Um, but I'm seeing now, and this is, I had no idea. They have an entire album of covers called The End, which is their last album. They're another band that doesn't exist anymore. Um, they cover Angra, Deep Purple, Rage, In Flames, Blind Guardian, Megadeth, uh, Dio, Skid Row, and, and uh, this Halloween song is on there as well. I kind of want to hear this album. Screw their original stuff. Um, I want to hear them do my, "In My Darkest Hour" and uh, "Don't Talk to Strangers" and and uh, "Wings of Reality" by Angra. Like this is this this looks fascinating to me. Um, but yeah, really good cover. Great way to end the album. Um, and 
I remember like when I heard this, I was like, first of all, Red Wine is the least metal band name I've ever heard. Um, maybe not. Maybe they were big fans of Dio because Dio loved his Red Wine. So, I mean, who knows? But uh, I don't know. This was just such a fun way to, to uh, end it. It's like they clearly don't speak a lick of English and they just went in there and went for it. And they really did a hell of a job. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all that. Um, I'll say this about the the whole experience this week. I'm I'm so happy we went back and did this. And I'm sure that many of these bands are bands that we would not have otherwise talked about, but for this episode, I don't like this album nearly as much as I used to. I'll be honest. I thought that it has some high spots. There's other bands that are like, eh, I could take it or leave it. Not that there's bad stuff. It's just like, I don't know. I could take it or leave it. For me, scale of one to ten, I give it a seven. A good listen, enjoyable, but but nothing extraordinary. Although some of the tracks that we did mention are are definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think just based on the the quality of Halloween songs, it, it kind of pushes it higher than than maybe it would have been otherwise. Um, so I'll, I'll give it a seven point five, just because. Um, I mean, these are a lot of songs that I just enjoy listening to anyway, um, and just getting a a chance to uh, hear a bunch of different bands' takes on it. Um, I, I, I think at some point we should talk about the uh, the first volume and um, and kind of compare it and maybe see where our scores line up. Just because there's there's so like you said, there's like this is such a a, a like exercise in obscurity, whereas the first album is like all these like heavy hitting bands that we've covered in long form, like more than probably half the bands on that album. Um, so it's like such a different, it's so interesting how they went like a totally different way on this, uh, this volume too. But, um, and yeah, there, uh, and there I, are other Halloween tribute albums out there. So maybe, uh, maybe it'll be the annual Halloween tradition. We can do another, uh, <laughs> Halloween covers album next year. It's not cover albums are tough because, or, or I should say tribute albums are tough because, you know, to get 12 or 13 bands to all do like a, a serviceable job, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, and I think that they did a really solid job on both of these, um, these keepers of Jericho. I mean, there's some tribute albums out there that I'm sure are, are pretty brutal to listen to. And, and these are definitely that would not. be fun. Yeah. Well, that's true too. Uh, we can listen to, and uh, if anybody has any abomination tribute albums that you want to uh, suggest to us, we will take it under advisement. <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about some news because there is just so much that happened. Um, the good, the bad, and, and, and the terrible. Uh, I'll start with some of the bad, the keyboardist and singer for French power metal band Fairyland passed away this week at 44 years old. His name was Philippe Giordana um, this is a band that you and I have kind of joked about for different reasons offline. Although ironically enough, their material is very good. And this just was a shocking announcement out of nowhere. So obviously our condolences to, to his family and friends and the rest of the guys in fairyland. I, I, I it was, you know, sh- surprising news to say the least. I know there had been some talk of them doing shows and whatnot, but it's just a, just a tragedy. And, and, and in the same vein, we find out that Nightwish um, had some bad news as well with with Floor with Floor Jansen getting diagnosed with breast cancer. Fortunately, it seems that they have removed her tumor. She's undergone surgery, and it seems like she'll be on tour uh, as early as this spring because they were just announced for seventy thousand tons of metal. So, like, 
while I wish her obviously the best and, and, and quite frankly, I hope she focuses on a speedy recovery. The good news is they've started announcing bans for 70,000 tons of metal and um, they're the first ones that I literally got a notification on my phone 30 seconds ago that they announced a second band. You want to take a guess? It begins with uh, an I. I. What's that? It begins with the letter I. Uh, Iron Maiden. <laughs> yes, because that's not going to drive the price of that ship up. No, uh, Insomnium. So for my money, oh, they're nice. two for two. So anyway, um, but yeah, my 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 um my my sincere prayers and and, and thoughts to both the the Nightwish and the Fairyland camp. Uh, but it sounds like Floor is, is set to do well and obviously uh, you know recover from you know, from breast cancer. Thank God. Yeah. Thankfully she caught it early. Um, I think, I think she was just having like a routine mammogram and, and just, it was, you know, that's why, that's why you do that. Um, so, you know, when I first read it, it's like you, your brain goes to fear the worst right away. And then thankfully, like it went on to say that she's expected to make a full recovery and be cancer free. And, and, you know, that's, that's all we can hope for. And, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, best wishes as far as Fairyland goes. Like they're just one of those bands that like I feel like there's like these gaps in between, and then they just come back and they have like a different singer and like they release like a fun power metal album. But I feel like they've always just kind of lacked the consistency to kind of uh, make a name for themselves. But um, it's never it's never fun having to hear about uh, somebody so close to us in age like pass away for whatever reason that it was um sucks and uh yeah it feels like we're making these announcements uh more and more these days no 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 question about that um and then with bands just taking hits on terms of members uh Motley Crue's Mick Mars retiring from touring because of his health issues not not a tremendous surprise there obviously he's been doing it for 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 decades and decades now uh but obviously wish him wish him the best health i i saw him live I don't know, 20 years ago at this point, And I just remember him on stage. I happened to be uh, on his side of the stage and, you know, uh, quite the performer, especially back in the day. And another band who has really kind of grown in popularity. This one, this one surprised me, but Rivers of Nihil or has, has parted ways with their vocalist after, um, I don't know, many, many years now, I guess, Jake Diffenbach, a founding member and a great singer in his own right has left the band. And it's surprising to me just because this band has grown in popularity over the last you know few years. I thought that they were kind of destined for, for big things, kind of like a mini Opeth in many ways, just kind of getting bigger and bigger with each tour. But alas, uh, their bass player will be taking over the vocal duties for the band. I have nothing to add to that. Very good. So uh, that brings us to next week, which... Uh, oh, well, is- I, I, I might have a couple of uh, headlines that might might want to run by you. Um, Let's hear. Uh, well, I think you had mentioned Iron Maiden's future past tour is going to continue into 2024. So kind of just a little bit of a follow-up to our discussion earlier. I thought this was funny. Korn's Jonathan Davis says he is deathly allergic to dogs. And now I understand why... They wrote a song called Freak on a Leash. <laughs> it's all making sense now. I had no idea. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, you know, like you'd mentioned, uh, Nightwish announced for 70,000 tons of metal. Um, uh, it, it seemed like a lot of people were wondering if it was even going to happen because it's three months away. And, and um, are tickets even on sale yet? No. And that's the crazy thing. I was set to go. 
And then I just resigned myself to the fact that it was going to be canceled. And now they've announced two bands, as I mentioned with Insomnium a couple of minutes ago. I'm shocked it's happening. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that I want to go on this thing. But it's like three months away. I need to get a flight, a hotel room. I need to like rearrange my work calendar. It's going to be crazy. But like I'm planning on going. So that should be fun. But it's just um, – not 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 the year that I had to usually plan to get this together. It's going to have to be a rush job. So it is what it is. But so far, they're two for two with the lineup. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, David Ellison has no time to get all butthurt about Megadeth. Says he'll never own a copy of the new album. No comment. Next. <laughs> um, what else do we have here? Uh, let's see. David Ellison, I do not own a copy of the new Megadeth. Um, what have you heard the um the David Elfs is it Elfson and Soto did a album together? I'd heard um that it was pretty good. Have you had a chance to hear it? Yeah, it, it's good. I, it's not going to be on my album of the year list or anything, but I enjoyed it while I was listening to it. It was interesting because the bass, shockingly, was high up in the mix, so it really kind of drove the sound a little bit. But I thought it was well done. I thought some of the songs were pretty good. Um. You know, if you have 45 minutes or an hour, it's worth a listen. I don't know that it's something that you need to need to hear, though. Okay. I'm not going to listen to it then. Um, There's other stuff you enjoy more. Yeah. Uh, Journey, former Journey vocalist, easy for me to say, uh, Steve Perry is releasing his first ever holiday original called Maybe This Year, um, which is funny because many Journey fans are probably wondering, maybe this year uh, Steve Perry will sing a song with Journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's funny. Um, listen, he's still got his he's still got a tremendous following because he's got a very unique and and you know just a wonderful voice. Um, not sure how Christmas is going to go this year, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, um, and uh, I guess I'll just finish up kind of to go full circle. Um, Sharon Denadell from Within Temptation uh, praised Iron Maiden and said they never fell out of love with music and and. Uh, I know that she had said that like it was such an unbelievable experience getting to uh, go around the U S and open for Iron Maiden. And um, hopefully they got to play in in front of more people than they did um, in New York. Uh, But um, I thought it was cool that they asked that Maiden asked within temptation to join them. And and I thought it was, um, you know, I I mean, I, I I hope that it was at least it opened some people's eyes to them that maybe didn't give them, a chance in the past. Although based on our personal experience, there weren't enough people in the building uh, to, to really make that much of a, of a, a dent in their, their listenership. But um, all the same, um, it's always nice when the band that's opening is a band you enjoy. Uh, and so it doesn't feel like you're just, you know, tapping your foot waiting for the next band to come on, which, um, you know, our very first metal club show that we went to Halloween, uh, we had to s- sit through. And to be fair, it's a band we'll never, ever forget the name of uh, because it was so bad. And it was so and it, 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 people just wanted to see Halloween so badly that sitting through the band click uh, was not, you know, not not a lot, not a blast. It, it, we had a lot of fun just ragging on them. So uh, oh. if you're listening, click. Uh, we still hate you. Yes, that, that <laughs> no, no question about that. Memorable, but for all the wrong reasons. 
and you want to talk about coming full circle, that's what we're, we're going to do right now. Uh, I mentioned Dr. Doctor earlier because obviously there's no Iron Maiden show without Dr. Doctor these days or you know, for many, many years now. Dr. Doctor first appeared in 1974 when UFO put the, uh, you know played the song on their Phenomenon album. Obviously, it's their composition. And UFO's Phenomenon is the album we are going to uh, discuss next week. We're going to go back nearly 50 years uh, to the British hard rock band. So I-, I thought it was an interesting request. I've listened to the album uh, quite a few times now. It's going to be an interesting discussion. They're, they're a... Uh, a stalwart for that classic 70s hard rock sound um, and they're still uh, you know we talked about Phil Moog and, and, and his health issues uh, in, in an episode a couple of weeks ago um, it's a shame I would have actually gone to see UFO in concert I feel like that would have been something fun and, and it's a shame that their touring is kind of on hiatus right now but at the very least we'll be discussing their third studio album uh, Phenomenon in, in you know just another week or so yeah this is going to be uh this is going to be new for me, um, I, you know, other than Dr. Doctor, obviously. But uh, this was a request from um, Patrick Celsus. So um, thank you, Patrick, for that. Um, yeah, uh, I've only got a chance to listen to it once so far. I'm going to listen to it a, a bunch more before we reconvene. But um, I, I spoke to uh, our uh, one-time guest, Andrew Gross, who joined us for the Blue Murder album. And um I got to spend some uh, time chatting with him before the Islanders game last Tuesday. And uh, he was, um, he was excited to hear that we were going to cover UFO and he had, uh, he had nothing but good things to say. So um, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that. As always, it's, it's nice to listen to something new in spite of it being incredibly old. (laughs) Well said. Uh, Enjoy your week, bud. I look forward to reconvening next week and, uh, We'll have some more uh, some more stuff uh, lined up. There's a lot of exciting stuff in the coming weeks and months. So look forward to announcing that soon. And uh, enjoy your week, bud. I will talk to you soon. All right. Take care.